Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh. Tyson Fury, I'm going to be short, sweet, and simple. This fight right here, you better be preparing. You better train your, your butt off as if your life depends on it. Because your life depends on it. Don't go up missing. <laughs> I'm going to smash your fucking face in, you prick. How about that for a fucking message? Well, fight fans, I'm sure you've enjoyed that little introduction to this episode, the big fight preview, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 3, happening this coming weekend. Tyson Fury, well, he's going to knock him the fuck out, apparently. That's what he says he's going to do. And Deontay Wilder's going all philosophical on us, as always, with his quotes and talking about what he's going to do. And he even said on Twitter this week that Tyson Fury... Is he's going to knock him out and he ain't going to get up. And Tyson Fury said, you're going to have to bring a gun to the ring. It's, I'm telling you now, it's uh, it's really starting to warm up. But I'll tell you one thing, though, Johnston. It's, it's, took a, it's took a little bit of time to really warm up. I think with the whole hype of Joshua Usyk, this is kind of... Not fell by the wayside, but it's been very quiet in the lead-up to this fight. And now we're actually in fight week. Now it feels really exciting now. Now, even though we didn't want to see this fight, I'm actually really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm the same. I, I was a bit um, apprehensive when it was first um, brought to our attention that it's going to happen. Um, we was disappointed at first because the Joshua fight didn't happen. But then when the sec- you know, when they said it's coming out, it's the third's happening and, and Joshua's fighting Usyk. Yeah, I, I, I sort of... Again, I was a little bit reserved of it, but now it's coming up and we're in fight week. I'm really, really looking forward to it. I can't wait. And especially when you see uh, Tyson Fury, just so great with words, and he? he puts it, <laughs> he's so to the point. And I think that's what people love about him. 
It doesn't mince his words indeed. So this episode then, guys, we're going to be talking about Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 3. We're going to talk about a few fights on that undercard, including a rematch between Adam Kornacki and Robert Hellenius. FAA Jagbury's on the undercard, fighting a fellow undefeated fighter. And we're coming over to the UK, and we're going to talk about Liam Smith and Anthony Fowler happening also on the same weekend. Ted Cheeseman, Troy Williamson's going on in that card, Kieran Conway, James Metcalf, and Frank Warren has also got a card on this weekend with Brad Foster and Jason Cunningham, the return of Callum Johnson. It's a really, really, really stacked episode, so we'll try our best to get as much in as possible, give you as much detailed predictions analysis on all these fights but it's got to start somewhere and the biggest fight of the weekend for me is obviously Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder very exciting the landscape of heavyweight boxing's changed yet again with Anthony Joshua losing the other week to Alexander Usyk and now that provides a more meatier fight this weekend and, and even more at stake I think for both of these guys really there's a lot to lose for both of them because at the end of the day there's a meal ticket waiting in Alexander Usyk. Whether these guys want to fight him or they don't want to fight him, there's a massive meal ticket there for them. And this is the opportunity now for Deontay Wilder to try and get a bit of redemption. But it's also the opportunity for Tyson Fury to show that that second fight, it wasn't just a fluke. It wasn't all about the heavy, heavy artillery that Tyson, uh, that Deontay Wilder was carrying in his lead up to the fight. It wasn't about all the excuses he made in the aftermath of the fight. It's all going to come down to what happens in the ring on Saturday night. And I'm really looking forward to it. And Johnston, I suppose I'm going to come to you now and just ask you about your opinions for this for this fight on Saturday night. And, and initially, what your thoughts are in the lead up to it? I think the first thing uh, I'm going to be really intrigued to see is when Tyson Fury's getting his gloves put on before the fight even starts. And... I'm sure the cameras will be in there and double-checking that he hasn't padded his gloves, as many have turned around and said in the Wilder camp. Probably checking Deontay Wilder's drink, make sure no one spiked it. It's going to be the lead-up that's going to be really interesting. And then also the intros and seeing how Wilder approaches it. Does he does he come in once again with all that armour like he had before? Or does he go the, tight, the Mike Tyson route and just come down in a white shirt, a white vest and just literally stroll into that ring and they look to do the business in there. I would like to see that side of Wilder rather than all the flashiness and all these weird gear and armour that he comes out with. So for me, I think that's one of the first aspects of this fight that I'm really looking forward to before a punch is even thrown. I'm agreeing with that because I think there's a lot of psychological mind games going into it. I think you look at the last fight and how emphatic Tyson Fury won that last fight and the way he dominated Deontay Wilder. I think you've got to give the psychological edge to Tyson Fury straight away. Tyson Fury's had a lot going on in the build-up to this. Obviously, he nearly lost his, his new baby daughter. Uh, and obviously, that's going to play a lot on people's minds as to whether, is he been fully focused in training because of that? Surely not, because of what's been going on outside of the ring. But then again, he's a no matter what you think of him, I think he's quite a consummate professional. And I think he's always backed up his words. Remember, he is undefeated. He's got the one draw on his record. He, no one's actually been able to defeat him yet in the ring. So he's always going to have that aura of invincibility about him. But we know how quickly that can shatter when somebody gets beat. So it, it does make for quite an interesting fight because Deontay Wilder's now gone to Malik Scott. He's got rid of his corner from last time, of course. And he's got Malik Scott training him now instead. And how's that going to affect the landscape of things? Has Malik Scott brought anything to the table this time around? Has he brought something different? I don't think he will have brought anything that's going to be different for 
Deontay Wilder not to revert to type in this fight when the going gets tough. That's my first thoughts on Malik Scott being in the corner is what could he possibly bring to the table that his former camp couldn't? You know, what what can he bring? I don't think he can bring anything more. It's like they say about trying to teach an old dog new tricks. How many fighters have we seen go to different trainers in in the past and sometimes it looks like they're uh, they're, they're making these adjustments, sometimes it works out for the best, sometimes it just really looks like all they've done is, is try to discipline him in a certain way and it's it's not worked out as well as what they've wanted it to. So what are your thoughts on Malik Scott being in Deontay Wilder's corner for this one? I think um just I think I think the loss of Mark Braylon's gonna be a significant factor. I I I'm not quite sure why Wilder sacked him. Um I, I didn't understand it. I think Mark Braylon has has shown he's a, he's a decent trainer, whereas Malik Scott hasn't really shown me anything. So I think, if anything, that's going to be a hindrance. I mean, Deontay Wilder has one shot, let's be honest. Everything else about Deontay Wilder is all fundamentally wrong. The way he throws his punches are all over the shop, but that's what makes him exciting because when he, if we don't know and he doesn't even know how he's going to throw that punch, then... Tyson Fury certainly needs to keep his concentration because you don't know where he's coming from and it could catch you. And I don't think Malik Scott's going to show Wilder anything. I don't think Wilder can actually throw a jab. Honest to God, I don't think he can. He sort of just leaves his arm out and long levers of his uh, just to to work away to figure out where the target is. That's all it is. He's just, and everything about him is just wrong. It doesn't mean that I think he's going to lose the fight as such. I mean, I do, but we'll go into that in a minute. But <laughs> it is, it, the fact of the matter is you're not going to be able to teach him anything different. It's just about how he can land that punch. And can Malik Scott maybe adjust his footwork slightly where he can um, make that shot come out of nowhere, literally pulls it out of his arse and, and, and Fury doesn't see it. The other thing is he's got to land it early because I think the, the, the more that fight goes on, he's going to tire. He's also got a, a stamina issue, a bit like Joshua for me. Um, but in terms of Malik Scott, I don't think he brings anything new to this camp, Sean. I really don't. I, I actually think it hinders Wilder. I think he's made a, a rash decision in getting rid of Mark Breland, who I thought was a respected and very good trainer. I agree with Mark Breland being a very respected trainer. I think for Deontay Wilder, he's, he's he's still going on about falling on his sword. And that's what he wanted to do in that last fight. And because Breland was the one that threw the towel in, that obviously really hampered the relationship between the two and they were never able to come back from that. So I understand like the decision now because different personalities, uh, I think it was obviously inevitable that they're going to have to split because how are they going to work together again after that? Do you know, it's quite obvious that, yeah. you know, even though Matt Breland's been in his corner for a while according to Deontay Wilder, does he really know him? He clearly doesn't because Deontay Wilder didn't want him to throw the towel in, even though he was getting pummeled from pillar to post. But hey, that's been and gone now. Let's not focus too much on that fight because we know what happened. We know what happened in the first fight. There's no point of going over old ground again and again and again. I think really our focus is on how this fight plays out now on, on Saturday night. I think for for me, Tyson Fury, I think he's... It's just got to be a repeat, really. I think he's got to come out and he's got to stamp his authority on Wilder. I think he's got to take the centre of the ring straight away. I think he's got to use his lateral movement, use his upper body movement, and I think he's got to make Deontay Wilder work. Like you said, Johnson, Deontay Wilder puts that, he puts that arm out there. He doesn't really throw a jab. He's just measuring constantly, measuring, measuring, yeah, measuring, looking way. for the big shot. Is he going to go down that route again, or is he actually going to come out and try and box? 
that's the interesting thing, isn't it? We don't know. We don't know if it's just going to be Wilder as he always is, or whether there is going to be some differences with Malik Scott in the corner. We both agree that we don't think Malik Scott's going to bring anything new. Maybe for a round, maybe two rounds, you'll see a bit of improved footwork. But that'll, for me, that'll be about it. That'll be all it will be. And then I think once Tyson Fury starts to stamp his authority on the fight, I think that's when we'll know whether or not Deontay Wilder's mental preparation has been spot on or not. Because he is either going to fold like an accordion after a few rounds, or he's <laughs> going to come out there and he's going to he's going to go for broke and he's going to throw them shots at Tyson Fury and we're going to see a, a really interesting fight. I think most people's opinions of this fight is that it isn't going to go 12 rounds and there is going to be a knockout in it and it's again who is it going to be I think my my prediction for this fight has, has always been the same and I think Tyson Fury wins this rematch I think he wins it in convincing fashion again maybe he'll be on the canvas again maybe he will get dropped again but I do think he gets back up and I do think he wins this fight if that does happen I don't think Deontay Wilder is going to come back from that loss the way he was before that that aura of invincibility has gone now. It's been taken away from him by that devastating loss. And how many times have we done a career profile or a legendary night and you've seen an emphatic loss for a fighter and they've never returned to be the same? It it, it rarely happens. It rarely happens. And I don't think this is going to be any different for me. So Tyson Fury wins this. He wins it by stoppage. I'd say mid to late rounds again. I think that's what's going to happen. I think as the rounds go on, Tyson Fury will, will start to wear Deontay Wilder down and Deontay Wilder will get desperate and he'll get caught and I think it'll be good night at Vienna once more and I also think that's a that's a good prediction because Tyson Fury by all accounts seems like he's going to be coming in a little bit heavier than he was in their in their rematch so that says to me that he knows that Wilder is not the same fighter on the back foot if he if he's pressured back he doesn't know what to do and I think maybe Malik Scott, they're going to have to look at that because if they think that Tyson Fury isn't going to go in there and put the pressure on him, then they're wrong. I think he pretty much does exactly what he did in that rematch. Wilder is dangerous if you give him too much time and, and you allow him a little bit of room and a little bit of space to, to throw that big right hand, which is dangerous. Any heavyweight that throws a right hand, if you've got it, you know, if you know how to punch it, it if it lands, the chances are you're going to go down. It's a matter of whether you're going to get back up again. And Deontay Wilder is just not the same fighter on the back foot. And all Tyson Fury really needs to do, I say it all, it's not an easy task, but he made it look easy, didn't he, in that rematch? And I think, if anything, as you said, you know, throughout the years of boxing, when you do these career profiles, the, the percentage rate of a fighter to come back after such a shattering defeat is is by none really. It, it, there isn't many fighters that can do it. It tends to be the best fighters. But they, you know, heavyweight game one punch can change the complexion of this whole fight, as we always say. But yeah, Tyson Fury. I think he comes in heavier. I think he that that jab's gonna cause Wilder all sorts of problems. He's not gonna really know what to do, and uh, I think I think Fury gets rid of him. I think he gets rid of him within four or five rounds. Honestly, I, I can't see Wilder going any further than that. And, and if, if he does, credit to him. But I do think he will still lose this fight. So I'm going to swiftly move on, Johnston, because there is a lot to cover in this episode, as we said yeah. at the top of the show. Robert Hellenius, Adam Konaki in a rematch. Uh, in a shock defeat for Adam Konaki against Robert Hellenius in their last fight. This is really going to be an interesting one because Adam Konaki was touted as a heavyweight contender. Robert Hellenius, 
I've considered him to be over the hill for quite some time, to be honest. But yet he pulls this out of his ass last year and he beats Adam Kwanaka and he stops him. And now he's got this rematch and it's, it's, he's going to be getting paid well for this, Robert Hellenius. I mean, Robert Hellenius, he has only got three defeats on his record. Give him, give him credit where it is due. He has lost to Gerald Washington. He has lost to Dillian White and he has lost to Johan Dupiaz in the past. But... You think about like where he is it in his career at this moment in time, and you think, well, oh, he's he's a, he's in the twilight of his career now. You'd expect Kwanaki, the younger, fresher man, to come in there and beat him, but there was a shock defeat in the last fight, so this is going to make for an interesting fight on the undercard. And then you've got the heavyweight prospect who Tyson Fury spars with a lot, FA Ajagba, fifteen and zero, going in against Frank Sanchez, eighteen and zero, with the WBC Continental America's heavyweight title and the WBO NABO heavyweight title on the line. FA Ajagba is another prospect that a lot of pundits, a lot of journalists, and social media have been talking about for quite some time, and it's going to be really interesting to see how he does. Then you've also got Robesev Ramirez going in against Orlando Gonzalez Ruiz, who's seventeen and zero. And then you've also got Edgar Balanda, who's 17-0 and and literally just knocks everyone out in the first round. Uh, I think that's a really, really decent undercard. I think for the hardcore boxing fans, I think we're really going to enjoy this card. And there was a lot of worry about who else is going to be on this card. I mean, if I'm being totally honest with you, I look at this compared to looking at the Joshua Usyk card. And in terms of the, the scale of the fights that are on there, there's a lot more evenly matched fights on this card and a lot more depth on this card than there was for Joshua and Usyk a couple of weeks ago. Go. You look down the card even further, and you've got Rancis Barthelmy on there, Jared Anderson, Victor Vickhurst, and the debut of Bruce Carrington. So, if you're going to be watching this show in the early hours of Sunday morning for us Brits, and of course for Saturday night for you US and Canadian fans, you've got a really stacked card there to watch. And I'm actually looking forward to it. And it's probably one for the first time in a long time. I'm actually going to either go to bed and get up for, or stay up for, because I think it's a really decent card. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I agree with you. I think this is a better card than what the Josh Rusick fight was. Uh, credit to Bob Arum and, and Tom Tom Brown. Um, they're, they're putting on a, a better card than what we had over in uh, at White Hart Lane or Tottenham's Grand, New Grand. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the Hellenius and uh, Konaki fight. That was a brilliant fight, the first one. It was one of my shocks of the year when Hellenius got rid of him. But, you know, we just we were just explaining Wilder you get that puncher's chance in the heavyweight division. And if you land it, then you get what happened to Konaki. I think Konaki will come back strong and I'm expecting Konaki to come through it. But then you never know. You know, you get, again, you know, looking through the history of the sport, there's always one fight that's a bit of a bogeyman for everyone. And it could be Robert Hellenius for Adam Konaki. Although I'm expecting Konaki to have learnt from that and come back with a victory. And um, But I'm really looking forward to it. And FA Jagba is a guy that... I've been keeping an eye on for the last couple of years and I'm really impressed with his rise. He hasn't had a major, major fight. I mean, even this one, Frank Sanchez, I don't know too much about the guy, to be honest with you. He's gone in 8 and I know His record looks half decent, but when you look down his resume, there's nothing that jumps out of you, specifically for me. So, um, it's going to be a test for FA and it's a test that he should, he needs to be coming through if he wants to go to the heights that where I'm sort of expecting him to. So, that's really interesting and, and, um, Edgar Belanga, I mean, he's just a joy to watch because you know you're going to get a knockout. I mean, we don't even know who his opponent is at the moment. Uh, so I'm guessing you might see a, a first or a second round knockout in this one. Although he did go the eight round distance quite recently. But good card. Really, really pleased with it. And I'll, I'm with you. I think I might have a little kip and um, wake up and watch it pretty much most of these fights, at least four or five of them. Well, we move back to the UK and at the Echo Arena in Liverpool, we have Liam Smith and Anthony Fowler 
looking for bragging rights, the bragging rights of the Scousers, the bragging rights of Liverpool. Liam Smith, obviously a long-time competitor in the boxing ring, former world champion, probably in the twilight of his career, goes in against the younger Anthony Fowler, who's looking to get that big name on his record now. He's looking to step up in his opposition, and, and what better way to do it than to fight one of the Smith brothers in Liam? Uh, and, and, and if he scalps Liam on Saturday night... That really does put him up there, you know, potentially to fight a world-ranked contender for Anthony Fowler. So there's a lot on the line for him. But for Liam Smith, there's also a lot on the line for him because, essentially, if he was to lose to Anthony Fowler, where does he go from here? Liam Smith has to win this fight for me. It's a must-win fight for him. If he's got any aspirations of going in for another world title fight, for me, he has got to go in there and he's got to put his stamp and his authority on there and he's got to beat Fowler convincingly because if he doesn't, people will talk straight away about him retiring because there's nothing left for it for him to do in the sport. I mean, he's 33 at this point. He's probably got, what, a year, two maybe in boxing. His last bout was in May this year. He lost on the cards in Russia, which was uh, an arguably uh, a, a, the wrong decision for some people against the undefeated Magmadev Kurbanov. I watched that fight. I thought you know, it could have gone either way, really, for that one, and it would have been in Russia. I think it was inevitable that Kurbanov was going to get the nod, but... That doesn't take away from the performance of Liam Smith on that night. And he still looked good. And he looked good in stopping Sam Eggington in 2019. And you could see there was levels to the game. So is there still going to be levels to the game at this point? Or is Anthony Fowler Johnston? Is he going to be the man that, that sends Smith maybe onto the shelf or into retirement? And is he the man that's going to move on in the division? And, and if he wins this fight, arguably, you know, can people say he's the best super welterweight in Britain? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, you've got Anthony Fowler, who's like, you know, still really relatively early in his career, but still aged 30. You know, he, he had a good amateur background, didn't he? And it took him a while to sort of make the turnover into the pro rank. So he was pretty much fast-tracked and that got stopped quite quickly um, when he lost to uh, Fitzy. And so it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what we get from Liam Smith. I always... See, sort of see Liam Smith as the guy that's head and shoulders at one point above all those sort of coming through. And I think the gap has closed. I think it's just a matter of has that gap closed far enough for Anthony Fowler on Saturday night? I'm not so sure. Uh, I, I, I like Anthony. I do enjoy watching him fight, but I think there are, there are moments within his performances where I think he looks vulnerable. And I think Liam Smith's been around the block long enough. He's only three years older. He's got way more experience in the professional game than Anthony Fowler. And I just think he, he, he shows, he, he shows that dominance. I don't think he's on that much of a decline. I, I've, I, I, I'm not going to say he isn't 33 years of age, you know, having the amount of fights he's had, there's obviously going to be wear and tear there, but, and the Kurbanov fight, with it being in Russia, I think Kurbanov did deserve the fight. I think he actually showed us that he's he's a name to look out for that Russian, to be fair. But going to Russia, I think Liam Smith just shows you that, you know, he don't play around still. He will still t- take himself out of his comfort zone and he's still able to put performance on. I don't think there is anyone domestically that is better than him. Honest, honest to God, I really don't. I don't think they're quite there yet. Even still, I think maybe another year for Anthony Fowler. I think this is. I think he probably he got, he's gone in a bit too soon, and I think Liam Smith. I, I think he wins the fight, Sean. I, I've just got this feeling that Anthony's just not going to be good enough. Saying that, I mean he could produce a great performance. Who knows? I just. I, I don't. I think Liam's just too tough, and uh, and I think that's why he, for me he wins the fight. 
you say it could be too soon for him, but he's 16 fights in now. Do you know, like, at what point is it? Is it too soon for oh, a fighter I know. to go I mean, in? What I mean is, as in the the level that Liam brings, I think, I mean, fight achievement. That's what I'm saying. Like, fight. The, I know he's fought Egger and he's fought Fitzy, but even look at Sergio Garcia, the, the European champion, you know, someone like that, um, yeah. rather than a, a Liam Smith. I think Liam Smith's too early for him. I think Liam Smith isn't quite on the decline as much. That's what I mean by that. Get you. No, I understand that. And maybe I'm doing Smith a bit of a disservice. Uh, it's not so much that I don't think he can he can beat Anthony Fowler. Because I do. I think he's got the technical and boxing ability to, to make it easy for himself. But then is Anthony yeah. Fowler, I think he's a much bigger guy. And, and if he, he steps his foot down and he stamps his authority on the fight and he tries to bully Smith, I think that's when we'll get a really, really good fight. I honestly think it'll be a very good fight. If I'm being honest with you, I don't think it'll be a one-sided fight. I think it'll be... Very much like the Kerbinov fight. I think it'll be very much a close quarters affair. Unless Fowler can keep him on the end of a jab. Fowler's got a really good jab. He has he has developed into a really good fighter from that loss to Scott Fitzgerald. But it's whether he has enough at this stage is what you're saying as to whether he can beat Liam Smith. Only time's going to tell on Saturday night how this is going to go down. I'm, I'm struggling to make a prediction because part of me feels like it's a passing of the guard. Part of me feels like Anthony Fowler will go in there and put a career best performance on. Uh, and, and show us that he, he's ready to step up a bit. But then Liam Smith's still got enough in him to beat an anti Fowler. So it's, it is, I'm really <laughs> struggling to, to make a prediction as to how this fight is going to go. And maybe I'll bring one before the end of the episode and I've had a lot of think about it as we're going through the course of it. But it's not the only super welterweight on this super welterweight fight on this card. There's actually two others, two absolutely brilliant super welterweight fights on this card. Ted Cheeseman, 17-2-1. Troy Williamson, 16-0-1 for the British super welterweight title. Troy Williamson has been a fighter I've watched throughout his career and I've seen him rise and I've said to myself and many people around me that, you know, this guy needs a shot at a bigger name and when he gets that shot at a bigger name, he's going to really give him a good fight. What better opponent to have than Ted Cheeseman, who is willing to go toe-to-toe with pretty much anyone he gets in the ring with? This is really going to be a battle for me of, of who can who can tough it out all the way through the fight. And and obviously, Ted Cheeseman's already proven he can do that on many occasions. It's now whether Troy Williamson has got it in him to, to grind out a victory over Ted Cheeseman. That's what it will boil down to, how much... We know what Ted Cheeseman got. We know his limitations and capabilities... But we've not seen Troy Williamson's yet, and this is the chance for us to see it and to see whether he is the real deal and whether he can stamp his authority in the super welterweight division. That for me is is the fight on that card that I think might outshine, barring maybe the main event, that'll probably outshine the rest of the card. I'm I'm in complete agreement with you. I think Ted Cheeseman, you know what you're going to get with Ted, and he's going to come in and for me, Ted Ted can box. He can box a bit. Um, but you know he's he's now got this uh, reputation that's followed him where he he just gets hit way too many times. If he could just adjust himself sometimes and not just ex- exchange as often as he does, I think he, he could win fights a lot easier. He might actually there's a few fights where he lost very close fights and maybe you know he could have maybe edged them. Um, you know I, I'm talking about the Fitzgerald fight there, but you know the Sergio Garcia fight was it was completely outclassed. It's probably the only time really I'll have to say that he was completely outclassed. Troy Williamson, you just don't know what you're getting. That's the beauty of this fight. You know what he's bringing. He's got he hasn't been beaten, uh, and it is going to be a matter of who buckles under the pressure. 
experience always tells for me. I, I think experience and the youth is on Cheeseman's side, so I'm edging towards Cheeseman. But I would not be surprised if, if Troy comes and gets a victory. I really wouldn't. It's a good. It's going to be a great scrap and a potential fight of the year again. Uh, Ted Cheeseman will be another nominee for it. I, I'm, I'm almost certain of it. We've got another good super welterweight fight, as I mentioned there. We've got Kieran Conway and James Metcalf. Kieran Conway, as we know, was coming off the back of a loss to Sissoko earlier on uh, this year. And then we've got James Metcalf, who obviously is coming off the back of a loss to Ted Cheeseman. So we've got two fighters here that are, are vying for getting another big fight in the super welterweight division. And they've got to go for each other to do it, which I think is it's good that this fight's been made because obviously we now get to see who will step forward in that super welterweight division again domestically and who will move forward to, to face one of these guys up in the, the top end of this division. James Metcalf obviously faced Ted Cheeseman and was on the back end of a, of a TKO loss. So, you know, has he, has he got enough in the tank to be a, a very experienced now, Kieran Conway, who's picked up so much experience over his past few fights? I think you look at the fights that he, that he has been involved in over the past couple of years. And you also got to remember that Kieran Conway actually fought Ted Cheeseman and obviously went to a split decision draw, which was a really good fight back in 2019. And, and since then, he's had some really good victories. Barring the, the split decision loss earlier this year, he, he's done really well. He's really come leaps and bounds. And I think this makes for a really interesting fight as well. And I feel like it's a, it's one where the loser kind of, what else, what else is there for them to do <laughs> other than maybe look at a potential to... Can they move up away or can they move back down away? That's that's all that I see left for for the loser in this fight. Personally, that's what I see. Other people will say differently, of course. Everyone has their own opinion. But it's another good super welterweight fight. It really makes the card start to become quite a decent card. And then you've got the bantamweight, Shannon Courtney, the WBA world female bantamweight champion facing off against Jamie Mitchell 6-0-2. She's back in the ring. She was supposed to fight a little bit earlier on in the year and now she's got the opportunity to defend that WBA title and we'll get to see you know, if she's improved from her last fight. We'll get to see if she got the potential to go on and, and have some great fights in, in the future. I think it's going to be it's difficult to say really because the opponent she's fighting... I've not really seen a lot of. I'm going to be totally honest with everybody. There's no part of me trying to sort of say, this is a great opponent, blah de blah de blah I'm not going to try and sell it to you like Eddie Hearn would. At the end of the day, she's fighting an opponent who's fought eight times, won six, drew two of them, and fought people that have either had debuts or losing records. So to me, that sort of screams that this person really shouldn't be fighting for a world title at this point in time. And it also screams to me that this is being lined up for Shannon Courtney to probably look good on the night. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to see it, of course. You just never know, though, because the, the depth of the female division is is not great. So you don't know if any of these girls are actually really, really good fighters until they step up. And we might see that. But I expect Shannon Courtney to win. I expect her to look good. And I expect her to march on to to another big domestic fight. Uh, or not so much domestic, but a world title fight with a domestic opponent. Yeah, and um, that, that Jamie Mitchell, I mean, her, her nickname's The Miracle and. I think that's quite fitting because I think she's going to need one if she's going to get get past uh, Shannon, to be honest with you. I think uh, Shannon does win the fight. I think it is being set up for her to just uh, just get a few rounds in. Um, I think that's what it is after the Ebony Bridges fight. So I, I can't see her losing the fight. Uh, just jumping back, though, to uh, the Metcalf fight and uh, the Conway fight, that's, that's a fight I really am looking forward to because... 
I think Conway's just a little bit further ahead than Metcalf for me. There isn't much between them, but this fight is literally whoever wins this can then look at, again, you know, the Fitzies, the Cheesemans and the Fowlers and the Smiths because they're sort of like just a little bit ahead of those guys. And then after that, as you say, whether they move up or down in weight, tends to be up in weight. Um, but yeah, that's a good fight. That's, that's a really good good card as well, I have to say. And uh, I will, again, I'll be tuning in, watching all of these before... Um, the Fury fight over in America. So we've got some, got a load of good fights to, to go through and, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a nice Saturday night of boxing. It is. And also on the card, Natasha Jonas is back in action after her loss earlier this year to Katie Taylor. And then we've also got the debut of the Olympian Peter McGrail on this card, which oh, is Taylor. one yeah. we, we've been looking forward to seeing Peter turn pro. Everybody's been waiting for Peter to turn pro for for quite a long time. And he obviously competed in the in the recent Olympics and was knocked out in the first round, surprisingly, to, to, to everybody's uh, shock horror. But he's now turning pro. He's doing it in the right place in Liverpool. He's doing it on a good card. And this is the opportunity to see if he is going to transition over to the pro pretty well. At the moment, I've not got an opponent down, uh, as BoxRec has it, as uh, TBA to be announced. So you can imagine it is going to be somebody that's going to come in with a losing record. Uh, and it's just going to make Peyton McGrail look good. It's going to be difficult to really sort of see at this point how good he's going to be as a pro. Because for his next few fights, it is really going to be all about getting that experience as a professional and transitioning over from the amateur style to the professional style. So I don't really want to say too much at this stage because I haven't really got an expectation of seeing how good he is until maybe 10 fights in at least. So I'm not really going to make a comment on it, Johnston. I think it's only right to kind of tuck that one away just for the time being, just to sort of see how he gets on first. But I did want to bring to the attention of everybody listening because of course if you know the Olympic boxing that's happened recently you're a UK listener you'll know all about Peter McGrail and his journey through the amateur scene and all the accolades that he has won throughout his career so all in all it's, it's actually a pretty decent card and I'm quite looking forward to this one but there's a lot of fights on on Saturday and even Frank Warren, as I said at the top of the show, Frank Warren's also got a card on. So there's a Frank Warren show, there's an Eddie Hearn show, then you've got the Top Rank <laughs> show. We're actually really, really stuck this weekend. The Frank Warren show is headlined by Brad Foster and Jason Cunningham. The EBU, the Commonwealth, the British super bantamweight titles all on the line. Brad Foster just looks head and shoulders above the rest at super bantamweight on this show. I'm looking forward to seeing the fight against Jason Cunningham because Jason Cunningham's a really, really good opponent and a really good test for Brad Foster to sort of look at what he's going to do next. Jason Cunningham, you look at the guys he's been in with and you look at the opponents he's been in with. He's been in with some great opponents. You look at the guys like Reese Bellotti, Jordan Gill, Michael Conlon. He lost to Michael Conlon in 2018, but he's been on a good spell recently. His last fight was against Gamal Yafai, who was 18-1, and and he beat... Gamal Yafai and that's what's landed him this opportunity at Brad Foster who, who to me looks like an absolute talent and looks like he needs to really be moved forward now to, to, to world ranked contenders world ranked fighters to move his career on he's beaten the likes of Lucian Reed. he's beaten Lucian Reed. he's got the win over James Beach Jr and in his last fight it was a bit of a layup I'll be honest it was Alvaro Rodriguez and he beat him by decision but he looks like a guy who is definitely going to be fighting for a world title in the next 18 months if he continues this trend. Yeah, I think you're right. He, he, he come through, he had that Lucian Reed, the draw, didn't he? The majority draw, and then he went back um, yeah. straight into a rematch and got the uh, got the victory retired in the end, uh, Lucian Reed. It was a good performance, I felt, from Brad Foster. And 
you know, I think the good thing for Brad is that he is fighting a guy in Cunningham who, who's 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 been around. You know, he knows what it, what it's about. He, he he's been in some. He's had some good performances recently. He's a southpaw. I think that's another thing. I think that's a great thing for for Brad to have to fight a southpaw. It always gives you a different dimension of how it's going to work. Gamal, your fight struggled with it badly. He was all over the shot, and he allowed Cunningham. Cunningham to just put the pressure on him. And that was a career best performance from Jason. And, you know, he's on a high. Who knows? He could go in and, and derail Brad Foster, as he did with your fight. It's, it's a strong possibility. He's on a good running streak. And you, as you say, you know, the fact that he went in with Michael Conlon and he got done by a, a better fighter, a technical, technically better fighter in Michael Conlon. And I'm sort of... a in my head, I'm thinking that that's probably going to be the same type of performance we see yeah. from Brad Foster. I think that's what we're ex- that's what I'm expecting. But if he can if he can produce the goods like he did against Gamal Yafai, then he's, he's got his work cut out, Brad. I'm expecting Brad to come through, but it's a good fight. It's a decent fight. It's uh, yeah, I, I can't. I'm not going to knock uh, Frank Warren at all because um, you know, comparing with what's going on at the moment. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm not going to knock it so much. There's a few other names on his card as well, which we'll run through in a minute. Yeah, I'm going to say Echo Assumin's one I'm really looking forward to. I've been watching yeah. Echo for, for quite some time. I think, in fact, when I first started getting involved in boxing media, Echo was just starting out his career, uh, and he's gone on, and he's actually had some really, really good victories. He's got past the journeyman stage, uh, and now he's gone on, and he's beat the likes of Chris Jenkins. He beat Cedric Paynard, who had that life-and-death fight with Conor Ben a few years ago, and now he's faced in a fellow undefeated fighter and he's defending his Commonwealth and British welterweight championships against Danny Ball who's 10-0-1 and, and Danny Ball in his last fight had a great win he beat another undefeated prospect in Sam Gillet and that that's really put him into into great contention really for this bout and he also beat Mason Cartwright as well which I thought was a really really good win for him he got a draw against Casey Benjamin back in 2019 but he is at the point of his career where he's got a great opportunity uh, and it is a case of whoever wins this fight really will march on even further and I think for me Echo Assuming does win it I think he's, he's he's an absolutely talented fighter I think and even at the age of 32 I think he's he's going to be up there and he's going to be in some great fights in the welterweight division I can see him fighting the likes of Conor Ben, to be honest, or a Florian Marku in the future. I can see these two sort of guys potentially getting it on down the line because these are the types of fights that I think Echo assuming will need to move his career forward. But I'm not counting Danny Ball out of this one. I think he's obviously got something to show in this fight. But I think for me, Echo assuming all day wins that fight. And I think that that's where he moves on and we get to see how good he could potentially be in the future. Yeah, and I think when you do look at his, his CV and you see t- a name like Tyrone Nurse on there, that's always a tough fight, Tyrone. I always, I've watched Tyrone for, for several years and I know by then, you know, he had uh, been through the wars a little bit at times time, but it was a, it was a, t- it was a tough competitor. So that was a good victory. Um, so, you know, looking at that and then obviously the the, the Paynard and who is a right pain in, in many people's arses, even though his record don't suggest it, uh, and Chris Jenkins. For me, you just look at those wins and I think, that is what gives him the edge over Danny Ball. But as you say, you can't, you know, he's 10 and 0, he's still young. And if he, if he produces a, a good performance on the night, then he could cause him problems. It's going to be a close one. And, and I must say, you know, Frank Warren, he's, he's put on a few close fights here. You can't knock it. Um, and it's good to see uh, old Callum Johnson on the card as well. Um, it'd be interesting to see how he gets on. He needs this fight. He needs it because 
of the inactivity aspects of it. He'd not fought since 2019 before he got in the ring earlier this year and got a TKO victory at York Hall. He's keeping busy. Yeah, okay, it's against an opponent not many people will have heard of. But he needs to keep busy. He needs big fights. He needs to be propelling himself up there. And I really hope he, he does get a victory and I hope he propels himself into these big fights with the likes of Lyndon Arthur and Anthony Yard, which are probably easier fights to make for Frank Warren, given that he's got both of these fighters under his banner. So I'm hoping that this fight leads to the winner of the Yard and Arthur rematch when that happens. So I'm hoping that kind of that's where his career goes and we get to see who really is the, the, the best of the rest in terms of the light heavyweights in the division. Obviously, we've got guys like Callum Smith who've moved up. We've got Joshua Barazzi who are at different stages of the career. But the best of the rest is Yard, Arthur and Johnson for me. Uh, I think they're the guys that are just sort of fringe pushing to, to world title contention. So for Callum Johnson to get a win puts him in line really to fight the winner of Arthur and Yard and their second fight. Uh, I just wanted to bring to the attention of the listeners a certain fighter that I've been watching from the start of his career, and already he's 13-0, and it's Nick Ball. He's been fighting as long as I've been involved in the boxing media, which is about four or five years now, and I've watched him progress throughout the super featherweight division, and I've watched him be involved in some decent fights, and he's he's been in there, and he's fought two undefeated fighters in Jerome Campbell and Brian Phillips throughout his career already, and he's got victories, and he's looked good doing them, and I think he's got an opportunity to, to show people yet again on Saturday that he needs to be pushed forward. Uh, he's fighting a guy in Peter Goodell, who's 10-6. and six. So straight away, that will scream volumes that this is going to be a, an activity fight for him, a fight to just keep pushing him forward. But I think now, I think he does need to be moved forward. I think he needs to be pushed on throughout his career. And I think if you look at you know the opponents that are around him in, in the super featherweight division, I think there's a lot of guys there that I think he needs to, to be starting to push towards. I think there's a lot of fighters, I think, that needs to be steered towards in that particular division so he's one name that I think people if you don't have the opportunity to watch him please do go and do it afterwards if you've not seen him fight before you've not seen anything about him please go and check him out he's a really really good fighter and I think he will he will be a name at the top of these cards in the not too distant future uh, you've got a few smaller fights on the card Owen Cooper George David Amar Akbar Macaulay Owen uh, and Ryan Woolridge all fighting on this card as well so all in all, this weekend is it's so stacked. It's probably the the most stacked weekend we've had since boxing has returned full time. I think this is this is what's good about this weekend is that we've got so many cards on and I've got to give a big shout out to all the other cards. There's loads of other cards in the UK. We've got cards in the Crown Plaza in Glasgow. We've got fights on there. We've got fights in Nottingham. Uh, we've got fights even in the York Hall, Bethnal Green, and Steve Goodwin show. A good fight on there. Liam Dillon, Dennis Wahomes happening this weekend. We've got fights up here in the Northwest. It's It's really stacked in terms of the domestic scene this weekend and the world scene. And I'm genuinely really looking forward to this weekend. I think this weekend's probably going to really reignite my my love of the sport in the sense that I've been quite and I've said this before to you Johnson I've said it I think on a couple of episodes previously that I've, I've kind of struggled to get up for a lot of these cards recently because a lot of them have been overmatched or they've just not been the, the sort of marquee fights that I've been looking forward to seeing and I'm really excited for this weekend because I've got about three three to five fights that genuinely genuinely excite me and genuinely I, I can't wait to sit down and watch I'm with you is it sort of um, it got the uh, old blood rushing after the Joshua fight. I got into that fight. I thought Usyk was 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 brilliant. 
I still think he can get better, but I mean, that's for another another show. Uh, but look, that got my mouth watering, I suppose. And now, we had the weekend off and we knew this is coming up and then you got you know, the, the good card, you know, the, the best card for me over here is the Liverpool card. But then, you know, like, as you say, mentioning all those smaller hall shows, which is great to see them back. It's great to have so many. It means that we are moving in the right direction as a country as well. And we're starting to get some get these nights out again, which we all miss. So, you know, I just want to say to all those that are actually going to these fights, good luck, hope you enjoy it, because uh, I will uh, be watching at home. Uh, really disappointed that I can't be there witnessing it myself at ringside. But some great cards, man. Uh, the big one, the main event, is definitely the one to look out for. But then, you know, the, as you say, there's about four or five fights there that really have got me intrigued, and I'm really interested and fascinated to find out how they all pan out. Um, and, and what happens really um, that when the heavyweights are around now is a heavyweight weekend um, in terms of it's a heavyweight weekend in terms of fighting and boxing yep. in this country and it's a heavyweight weekend in general for, for the heavyweights so uh, that's just I love it. it that is it does want you to it makes me want to get up and watch this fight because of the other fights that are on there and just yeah it's nice to feel that again I haven't felt that in a little while so I'm with you Sean it's, it's, hopefully it doesn't disappoint I don't think it will. I'm, I'm genuinely. I don't think it. I'm, I'm thinking gen- the judges and 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 the, <laughs> the referees. I hope they don't piss us off too much. I'm sure the fighters will perform. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we'll see a really good weekend of action. I really do. I'm, I'm genuinely, genuinely looking forward to it, guys. I, I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you've got your uh, your DVRs set to record some of these shows because it's <laughs> going to be quite impossible to watch the Liverpool show and the Frank Warren London show or the Birmingham show. Sorry, this weekend, and then you've obviously got Tyson and fury in the early hours of the morning for us in the UK so I say an absolute fest of fights this weekend and I'm genuinely excited and I hope you guys are too we've given our predictions we both think Tyson Fury is going to do a job we think he's going to do a number we think he's going to set himself up for this big super fight which coincidentally is going to be Alexander Usyk if he can come through Anthony Joshua in their immediate rematch that will probably happen sometime early next year I'm genuinely excited for it I hope Tyson Fury does do it I don't want to sound like I'm being biased, but I think from a British perspective, we, we, we do want to see him do it. We do want to see him get into yeah. these big mega fights. Deontay Wilder has never really appealed to me as a fighter and as an individual because of his persona. So I'm kind of rooting for Tyson Fury a little bit this weekend. Objectively looking at it, though, we genuinely think Tyson Fury does do a number on him. And I think that's the, the key to take away here is that if you're going to put your money on anyone, it's going to be a Tyson Fury sort of mid to late stoppage. You said maybe four to five, Johnston. I'll be interested yeah. to know what the odds are for that. I think there'll be some well, quite interesting odds this weekend, won't there? I'm being even more swayed by the fact that Tyson Fury says he's going to cheat again, sarcastically. <laughs> so um, I'm 100% going with Tyson Fury because he's going to load up them gloves and he's going to ruin Wilder. <laughs> for, for the people that have listened to this, that ever believed any of that bullshit, um, seriously, need to just check yourself because have a look at those the footage. Like there is absolutely no way it, it, half the excuses that Wilder come out with. It just looks so bad. It makes it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Even just hearing recently that Joshua now had a little there was a little leak where he had an arm problem, you know, his shoulder problem, etc. And that's why he didn't throw the right hand against Usyk. I hate it when they do that. You know, I'm more on the Tommy Hearns front where Tommy Hearns had an injury after the Hagler fight and didn't release it until after he retired. Now, that is a real man. That is a man that goes out on his shield. And if Wilder wanted to go out on his shield, like he said, 
then he shouldn't be making up these stupid excuses. Um, so, yeah, that's why I'm with you. I hope Fury does do a number on him because I'm not a fan of Wilder. I don't like what he brings to the table either. But, yeah, and also Tyson Fury has actually said that um, he would train Anthony Joshua for his rematch against Usyk <laughs> as well. <laughs> you got to oh, love this guy. You just to add salt <laughs> into the wounds even more no, by saying that. Isn't he? He, well, oh, one, don't. one minute he's calling him, the next minute he's offering him advice. It's just, it makes me laugh. I think... He's a, he's a he's a marmite character. He's he's a person that you're either going to like and you're going to take to him, or you're going to hate him because you just don't like the way he, he, he conducts himself. Listen, at the end of the day, he is what he is. He's brought some some good nights to heavyweight boxing. People complain about his resume and he's not fought enough people. He's not fought enough big names on his resume. But listen, if he goes and beats Wilder and then goes on to fight Usyk, what more could you possibly ask him to do in this generation? Joshua fight looks off the table. So I, I genuinely hope he gets through it. If he doesn't, and Deontay Wilder lets off a, a big stinking right hand and, and knocks him out, then it changes the division once more. Whether there's then a fourth bout between them two, whether that could happen or whether we just see Wilder Usyk and, and, and how that goes. There's so many possibilities about what's going to happen on yeah. Saturday night. I mean, we, we've given our predictions. It's down for you guys to give your predictions. Now, I'm sure social media, uh, if it stays up this weekend and it doesn't go for an outage like it did this week and we actually get a lot of debate on social media this weekend i'm pretty sure there'll be a lot of opinions swaying hopefully there won't be a lot of conspiracy theories after the fight and we just get a a straightforward fight and we get a straightforward win Uh, but it's boxing we know what happens with boxing a lot of things always change controversies bad scorecards poor refereeing towels going in blood being spilled and this is part of the sport that we love to hate so guys i've I've enjoyed it i've enjoyed breaking this down this great weekend of fights and i hope you've enjoyed listening to us if you've got any feedback let us know at btr boxing pod if you want to check out our other series based episodes including career profiles the darker side of boxing and legendary nights you can do that by going checking them out on their respective pages and you can check us out on facebook on instagram or even youtube go and subscribe on there find all some all the latest episodes on there and some of our backdated content is always going up so please do and go and a quick subscribe to that and finally the patrons of the podcast the guys that are the backbone of what we do here a big shout out to you guys as always for supporting us and if any of you listeners have not checked out the patreon page please do go and check it out the support is immense the support we get helps us build this pod into something more and it helps us create all these series based episodes it gives us the time to be able to go out and research them all and all we ask for is a little bit of support in return because it helps us move forward with what we want to achieve with all the different series that we run so please check it out patreon.com forward slash btr boxing podcast network fight fans it's been a pleasure speaking to you it's been a pleasure discussing it with yourself johnston uh, i hope everyone enjoys this fight this weekend uh, i hope everybody enjoys the heavyweight clash this weekend between tyson fury and deontay wilder is tyson fury going to do it is he going to leave nothing to doubt or is deontay wilder going to change the landscape of the heavyweight division once more tune in and we'll be back next week with our reaction Podcast Network.
It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.